Wow, there's a lot going on around here, and uh, it gets pretty exciting. It's Christmas, and people are all out for Christmas, and they're on vacation already. They're traveling, but we're still going to gather together, and we're going to celebrate Christmas. We're wrapping up our Behold series officially today, and that's one of those things where it's like, you know, over and over and over again, the Scripture says, and behold, the angel of the Lord appeared, and behold, the Lord appeared to them, or behold, and it's just the idea that God wants to enter into your life. He wants to do that. He's looking for that. And we should be looking for what we call behold moments. And the, other, uh, the, the flip side of that is you may be somebody that God wants to use to create a behold moment in somebody else. So don't underestimate the idea that you should be looking for a behold moment, but don't be afraid to say, hey, I wonder how I can be that behold moment. I don't know if you've ever been the recipient of like going through the Starbucks drive through line and, and uh, you get up there to pay and they say, hey, the car before you paid that, that's so exciting. You're like, well, thank you, that was so awesome. And then you get on social media, you say, oh, God just saved my whole life. He bought my caramel macchiato. It was so awesome. And you do that, right? Maybe God wants you to do that for somebody else. Think about that for a second and look for both of those. Today we are, we've been looking at behold in, in different aspects, and today I want to look at the aspect that all of us are broken. All of us. We're all broken people. We are a broken humanity. And so today I'm looking at we are uh, broken toys. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in an age of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and there was a whole island of misfit toys, and the whole point was they were broken in some fashion. And so I want to talk about that just a little tiny bit, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. But let me just share this poem with you, because I was sitting in my office waxing creative, and I thought, you're going to love this. You're, it's probably going to make your whole year just this little poem here. But, but it speaks into our hearts today. Toys, toys, toys for Christmas. Big toys for big kids and little toys for tots. Toys that sit quietly, toys that cry a lot. Toys from Dollar General, toys from the big box stores. Toys that are brand new and some toys that have been restored. Toys that you can push and there are toys that you chase. Toys that make you laugh and toys that you embrace. There are toys made just for her and toys made just for him. Toys that you can stack way up high and toys that you plug in. Toys, there are toys for little boys and toys for little girls. Some toys that come from right next door and some from around the world. But we need these toys, we need these things to satisfy our souls, but when they break or when they're not right, we cast them to the cold. I don't know how many parents have I heard this year that have said, you know, we're going into Christmas, and so this is always the time of year when we start cleaning out our kids' closets. We start cleaning out their toy box. We're like, child, if you're going to get three presents, you're going to get rid of three old toys. That's how it's going to be. We're not going to let your house choke up with things right now. It's getting close, and, and you've got ideas about that. And I'm not saying that that's a bad idea, but think about this for a second. How many toys pass through your hands over the, uh, the ages, so to speak, that we have Christmases, and how much money just kind of you just kind of shuffle along like this? It gets kind of outstanding. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying I was thinking about it, and it got scary, so I just went ahead and wrote a poem about it. It was just, it was just important to do. But have you ever been that person that opened up a present that was already broken or required batteries. I mean, when you get a toy that's pre-broken, because, you, I mean, some of us have been there where you open it up and like 10 seconds into it, your child has already broken the toy. And you're like, oh my word, are you kidding me? Well, sometimes the toy comes pre-broke. They don't even have to break it. 
It's already broken, and you open it up. And the problem is, how do you save face when you are so excited that you've given a gift to somebody, and you're anticipating them opening the present, and they start to open it, and they open the box, and it's like, oh, this is great, but the wheel fell off. And you're like, oh, don't worry. As a dad, you're like, I'll fix it. I'll glue it back. Don't worry, honey, because until they're 13, you can do anything. And after that, you're not smart enough to change the light bulb, you know what I mean, with your kids. That's just the way it is. It's the way it happens. But we do that. Or, or have you ever bought that present and you're so excited and, and here it is and you give them the present, they open it up and it only requires 4D batteries. And you forgot to get D batteries. And only Lawson's is open, if any of you know what that is, is open on um, Christmas Day. And you don't have a Lawson's in your town, so you're not getting battery and your child is sitting there looking at this toy. And it's like, oh my word. Well, I was thinking about that and I came to the conclusion that when we're looking at Christmas, we recognize that Jesus came and this baby lying in a manger came to fix these broken toys. That's what he came for. He came to do this thing and every one of us in our souls is a broken toy running around begging for somebody to please love us. You know, children will play with the toy for so long, pretty soon it's cast over to the side, and you're like, well, why don't you play with that? And they're like, I don't like it anymore. And they liked it for about two months, and it was good. You hunted for it for about six years, but there it was, okay? And, and so now it's just sitting there. But that's a reflection of who we are in our souls. We're people that feel cast aside. We're people that feel left out. We're people that feel marginalized. We're people that don't feel good enough. And you may have been saved from that already through Jesus' blood, and already you have found your real identity as a child of Christ. But most of humanity feels and is still fighting to please tell me, please tell me that I belong. You want to do something really really powerful in somebody's life that is unsuspecting. I'm telling you right now, one of the most significant things that you can do is simply to invite them. Whatever it is that you're going to invite, if you're having a party, just invite that one person, the broken person. Invite them. And if you know they can't come, still invite them. And watch what happens to their soul. They begin to get a different understanding of who they are. So we need to recognize that inside every one of us that is looking for love because we feel broken inside is a hole the size of God. And we are trying to fill it with everything except God. And as a result of that, God came down here. When we say Emmanuel, God with us, we're just saying God with us, God with us. That's all we're saying. Because Emmanuel means God with us. And that's what Christmas is all about. Let me share this story with you again from the book of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came. And I want to camp on that just a little tiny bit in the midst of what I'm going to share with you over this little bit. But just camp on the idea that it's just the right time. Because so many times we think God is not listening, God is not looking, and God doesn't know. When the fact of the matter is, God has planned, and at just the right time, He is going to intervene 
in whatever it is that you're crying out to God for, but he's going to do it on his time schedule because he knows what is best. And so as we look at this at just the right time, if I can go there with you, it came time for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him up in cloths, placed him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no guest room at the inn. No place for them to have their baby. Now, I don't know about you, but now back in that day, um, it was understood, okay, culturally, that if strangers came into town, you would invite them to your house to stay the night. It was, it was a cultural thing. Don't take my word for it. But that was a cultural thing, okay? And so the idea of there being somebody that needs to come to your house and stay the night um, was, was, you know, not, not like super common, but it was common enough that it wasn't weird. You know, somebody came up and knocked on my door today and said, hey, can I stay the night? I'd be like, you're weird. Stay right here, and then I will go call the police and say, come see this guy. And I say, don't worry, it's my brother, it's okay, I was wrong. No, I'm just kidding, we have a great relationship. But the long and the short of it is this, okay? It was not weird for them to, to consider that they could be there. Now, what kind of a person, because this is what's going through my mind, reading the Christmas story, what kind of a person has a woman nine months pregnant, eminent birth, I mean, it's about to take place, knocks on the door, and you're a hotel, you're a legitimate hotel, knocks on the door and you say, lady, you can go sleep in the barn. What kind of heart says, go sleep in the barn? I'm wrestling with that right now. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's broken humanity. It's people that are trying to squeeze the most money out of all the people that they can. It's people that are trying to take advantage of people as much as they possibly can. I'm just telling you, in, in, in my mind, in my situation, I think, couldn't you at least take her into the kitchen and move the, the, the table over and make a pallet for her, a, a, a place to sleep on the floor? Couldn't you say, come in here and be warm away from these other people? I, I, I probably would say, listen, sleep on my bed, okay? I picked up a guy on the highway one time, I was, a long time before I was a pastor. I, I was, you maybe have heard me share this with you before, but I was on my way home from a, a falconry meet. Um, we get into that later. But I was on my way home, and there was a guy staying. His name is Steve. I know his name to this day. It was like 30-some years ago. His name was Steve, red hair, wearing what we, we used to call a field jacket. Um, had a ponytail down the back of his head. Very well kept, put together, big old pack, but he was heading cross country. And I, the Lord just said, listen, pull over and give this guy a ride. So I said, okay, and I pulled over. He got in the car. And I'm heading home. My wife and I, we live in um, 850 square feet, um, and, and there's five kids, and her and I, and, and I'm headed home, and Steve's in the car. I'm getting to know him, and, and I'm having a good time, and you know, it's all great. And, and just before I get to where I, I'm going to get off the highway again, about an hour's drive, um, the Lord says, take him home tonight. And I thought, what? <laughs> it's one thing to give somebody a ride. It's a whole other thing to pick up a serial killer on the highway and give him a place to stay for the night. And I'm just sorry, but let's just be honest. Every one of us just thought, well, what if he's a serial killer, Joe? What were you going to do then? And I haven't even told you what happened, and you already said that. Okay? A lot of Christian people said that to me as well after I shared the story. But anyway, um, Steve was there, and I knew where he was headed. And, and so I said, well, Steve, would you like a place to stay for the night? And Steve said, yes. And I said, well, come on in. Let's go in here. I said, we've got a washer and a dryer. Maybe you've got some clothes that you need to wash. He said, and this guy was super quiet, super unassuming, super humble. And, and he said, I, I would like that. I said, would you like to take a shower and stuff? I said, it, it, the house is kind of yours, you know, kind of. Five kids, a wife, 850 square 
square feet. So I walk in. I said, Janice, this is Steve. She said, Steve, how you doing? It's like 7.30. We eat at 5 o'clock sharp at our house back in the day. And, and uh, I said, hey, can, is there any chance you could whip us up something to eat? Do you mind? And she's like, well, you know, I could do some mac and cheese with hot dogs in it and some peas in it if that'll suit. I said, you know what? It's food. You know, it's just food. And she's looking at me like, you're going to feed your friend hot dog and macaroni and peas? And, and, I, and I'm like, you know, well, Steve's going to stay the night. She's like, your friend's going to stay the night. You know, and you can't say it out loud because you're in 850 square feet. He can hear it. You know, he's standing in the kitchen. It's about the size of this stand right here. And, and so, so I said, Steve's going to stay. I said, Steve, the bathroom's down there. So Steve went to the bathroom and she said, so why is Steve staying the night? And I said, well, I picked him up on the highway. She said, he's not your friend. I said, he's my friend now. And she said, what are we going to do with the kids? I said, well, I'm not stupid. We're going to put them all in our bedroom and lock the door. I mean, come on. But, but we did that. Next morning, I got up and took him to the highway, set him back on it. And believe it or not, he was actually hitchhiking to Maine, where I'm, where I'm from. Not like from the city I'm from, but he was hitchhiking. We lived in Ohio at the time, and that was going on. But I was willing to give him a spot. What about if somebody knocks on your door and they're nine months pregnant, ready to give birth, and they say, hey, can I stay here? Can you help me? What do you say? I know what we'd like to say, right? I know what we'd like to say, but we don't always say what we're supposed to say. And it's tough. I'm telling you right now, um, we get calls in this church every single day from people, and they are sharing with us stories that would rip your heart out, and some we can help and some we can't help. We help, if we can, with food and with clothing, but we can't help with utilities and housing, and, you know, I know that your, your uh, sister-in-law's throwing you out because you've got this, you know, dog um, that's totally uncared for, unkempt, and doesn't use the bathroom outside, and she's mad about it, but we're not going to go rent you a hotel room that does allow you to have the dog. The dog. I mean, that's the kind of thing we get. And, and, and the people just with hardships. And every once in a while, we get a story where, uh, you know, somebody calls in. They did this week. I happened to answer the phone. And they, they shared with me their story. And there was nothing I could do for them. And I, and I pointed them to a couple places because we we're directing all of our stuff, trying to make Salvation Army a little bigger. But then about two hours later, somebody else called and, and almost said some of the exact same things. And it's like, okay, is there a script going around that I'm not aware of? And so even when people are calling in, we have to be careful and we're trying to discern and hear what the Holy Spirit's saying because we can't help everybody. But what would you have done? I'd like to say I knew it was Mary and that that was the Son of God in her belly and I would have given him my bed. But I don't know that. And since nobody would have believed if she said, I got the Son of God with me, we need a place. Um, no, it probably wasn't going to happen. Broken people say, go sleep in the barn. Broken. We're all broken. A couple years ago, maybe you heard about the whole EpiPen fiasco. 2007, a company bought the injector rights, not the medicine, but the injector rights for a pen that cost $57 with the medicine in it. The medicine only cost a dollar. Seriously. According to this source, the medicine only costs a dollar. The pen sold for $57. The competition screwed up their pen and had to take it off the market and went bankrupt. So the company that had the only pen existing multiplied the cost of the pen by over 400%. What used to cost a family $57 for their EpiPen now cost them over 
$1,500. What kind of person takes advantage of people in desperate health need like that? Broken people. The same kind of people that tell a pregnant woman that's nine months pregnant to go sleep in the barn. It's broken people. And before I can get into a rage, I'm just as broken as those people are. I'm just as broken. That whole story, I grew up with Rankin Bass back in the 60s and 70s, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and I loved that show. Um, looked forward to it every year. Island of Misfit Toys was my favorite. You know, there was the elf that wanted to be a dentist instead of a toy maker, so he was a misfit. Then he decided he's not going to go with Santa Claus. He's going to go out there and try to be his own dentist. And then we got introduced to the Bumble. Those of you that know me know that I had nightmares, would wake up in a cold sweat until I was 25 years old because the Bumble was chasing me through the house. And I was watching that one time, not soon after I'd gotten married, I was laying on the couch, and I heard that noise because I was watching it, and I jumped up off the couch, and I told my wife, there's my nightmare. I never had the nightmare again. It was the bumble chasing me through my life. And so the dentist finds this island of misfit toys, and I just got to thinking about that. What an amazing example of Christ and you and I, because we are on this globe out in space, on this island of misfit toys, of broken toys. And everything, you know, you back up far enough and everything has a little bit of a religious context to it. You can see it, and I love looking for them in shows. And that was that Christ came to this island of misfit toys that's you and me. And the dentist and eventually Santa Claus, and okay, we had our discussion about that, right? No. Um, but anyway, Santa Claus comes to the island of misfit toys and saves them. See? Shows them that they are worth, that the worth is found in their creator and there it is and i love that and so there's that whole behold the island of misfit toys maybe you've seen this before but it's like you know um, an airplane that walks on legs and a, a, a elephant with pink polka dots and a snowman with a clown head and and everything has a broken sense to it the choo-choo train had a caboose with square wheels on it and and nobody as all the study that i did believe it or not on this stupid photograph right here nobody can figure out what was the matter with the little girl in the in the, the red polka dot dress it's like why was she on the island because she's not broken you know, it's like, well, you know, what's going on here? We're, we're not sure. But anyway, there it is. And so I got to thinking about that. Nobody wants them. We live in a world that is polarizing and polarizing and polarizing, and nobody wants the people that think different than them and acts different than them and looks different than them and spends different than them. And we just don't want to be around those people. We don't want them invited to the party. Are they coming to the party? Because if they're coming to the party, I'm not going to the party. I went to my 40th high school reunion. And there was a lady that did not come because 35 years ago, somebody offended her, accidentally offended her at the five-year reunion. She's never coming again. And she lives right, right there in town. Like, What is it with us that we are so broken? Because everybody wants a place, and these, these toys had no place to be. They were marginalized. They were cast aside. I got to thinking about that, and you and I are 7 billion people on a ball on an island spinning at the equator at a thousand miles an hour going around the sun at 60,000 uh, 67,000 miles an hour so we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour going around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour hurtling through space in this thing called the Milky Way um, according to astrophysics.com or astrosociety.com at over a million miles 
an hour. And you wonder why you can't hold your life together. Because it's just spinning out of control. It's nuts. Except for God. You see, because the baby in the manger came at just the right time. And that's what the Christmas story is about. God, 100% of the time, shows up at the right time. Not at my time. Not at the time I want him to show up. But at the right time. The book of Romans, Paul writes, he says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time. There it is. The time came for the virgin to give birth. At just the right time, God said, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, and very rarely will anybody die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. So Jesus comes down to you and I as broken toys. And listen to me, I tell this congregation over and over and over again, every single one of us is broken, and none of us has the right to look down our nose at anybody else. We all are invited to come as we are, but we're all invited to not stay that way jesus came to and this is a a word that's being lost in the christian church in america today to be transformed by the renewing of our mind by understanding that we are broken and sinful i can stop throwing rocks at my brother or sister and maybe stop and say why do they perceive that they're broken let me just share this with you jesus looks down upon you and i because we were broken right after the manufacturing process by Adam and Eve. But we're broken in our relationships to one another. We're broken sexually inside of ourselves. We're broken psychologically, certainly. We are broken emotionally, and we are broken in our very soul, our very inmost being. We are separated from God. But thank you, Paul writes again, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, not after we got ourselves cleaned up, not after we straightened up, not after we performed right, not after we did enough good, but while we were still sinners, Christ came down here and died for us. He paid the price before we were ready to receive the gift. When he saw that we needed it, but we didn't know it yet, Christ died for you and I. Smart people get help when they understand their brokenness and their need for somebody to intervene. Christ intervenes. Sometimes, sometimes, even though Christ intervenes, we still need a little more help. In the book of Mark, there's a story that shares real quick. Let me share it with you. Jesus had left a place, and he went into the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and didn't want anybody to know that he was there, yet he couldn't keep his presence secret. In fact, as as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her, her, her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, Jesus told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the animal, uh, children's crumbs. And then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demons left your daughter. She went home, found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. The woman knew she was broken, broken, but she also knew something about Jesus. She recognized there's nothing that she could do about her circumstance. She needed help. Apparently, she, should, she had heard about this prophet named Jesus. She, to the best of our knowledge, doesn't believe that he's the Son of God, but she does believe that there is something about him that's connected to heaven that will bring her this wholeness that she needs. And she has enough sense, instead of sitting back and saying, well, this is just the way I am, or this is just the way it is, or I'm sorry, I was made this way, she 
she stops and says, I am broken just like everybody else, and I need a Savior. I need a healer. I need to reconnect with the Creator. And so she did. And I want to talk about her brokenness for a second, but I don't want Christmas to be a big downer, okay? So at the end, I'm going to take it back up, okay? I promise you. Stay with me. Your brokenness separates you from God. It just does. God doesn't abide our sin while we're praying for his blessing. He doesn't. He wants us to come away from our sin so he can pour out his blessing. It's that simple. Look what it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, who's treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who's insulted the Spirit of grace? Now again, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm just here because Joe Wood is constantly looking in a mirror saying, wow, how am I living out my walk with Christ? And am I, am I sinning and asking God to bless it? Our brokenness separates us from God. As a result of being separated from God, our, our brokenness invites us into wrong understandings about ourselves mostly, okay? When we don't know our identity, we don't know our potential. I've held a falconry license for some 35, 36 years. 30, 36 years this year because I've been married 35 years as of last Sunday. Okay, but anyway, okay, so I've held a falconry license. I used to live up in Ohio. I wasn't a pastor um, and went to an a, a, a interaction with the Department of Natural Resources one time. My friend Bill there said, we just raided an exotic animal sale. At the exotic animal sale, they found an Amish family that had a red-tailed hawk in their backyard, a big nest. They went and took one out of the nest and raised it as their own the problem was they raised it as a chicken I'm not lying they raised it as a chicken okay they put the the little the little red tail hawk the little fledgling they put him on the ground with the chicken and they fed him hamburger and bacon and I'm uh, ham, uh, I mean hot dogs and bologna and everything that you're not supposed to feed a raptor they fed to this thing and for whatever reason he survived whatever they were doing to him but anyway when they raided this thing this is a, a red-tailed hawk. It would have been about that tall, and all it was doing was walking around on the ground. They fined the Amish couple $500. Okay, you can also go to jail for that because they're covered by the 1963 Golden Eagle Act. I just threw that in so you would know it. Okay, that's all that's for. But the point was the hawk eats chickens. It's what you people in Kentucky call a chicken hawk. It really is. That's a chicken hawk. It's a red-tailed hawk. It's a chicken hawk. And, and a, a red-tailed hawk will eat a chicken in a split second. If, if that's the, the least amount of work for the most amount of return, it will just fly right out of the tree and kill your chicken. Don't shoot it and don't tell me you shoot them. It's against the law. That being said, some Christian people live that same way. They live because they listen to the voices of people around them because they've got a wrong understanding of who they are based on the sin they're living in and the people they surround themselves with and they think nothing can ever be better than this. I'm just a chicken. When the fact of the matter is you're a red-tailed hawk. You eat chickens. You eat them. That, that bird couldn't be released into the wild. It would have starved to death literally. And so it was turned over to a wildlife center where little children could come in and pet it and things like that, and it was great. But God has, has saved us from the island of misfit toys, of broken toys. He saved us. He wants us to have the right understanding of who we are. But the one who makes the people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Look at that. 
Therefore, look at that. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. You're not chickens. You don't have to live that way. God is trying to do something in your life, but you're pushing it away because you want what's right here, right now. Paul told the church in Corinth, do you not understand that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You don't have to inject it, ingest it, get drunk with it. You don't have to do all of that stuff. Because Christ said he would be your all in all if you would let him take up residence inside of you. If you would let him. A lot of people will say it, but they won't live it. And that's where James says the proof hits the pavement. So our brokenness invites us to a wrong understanding of ourselves. And then our brokenness or the wrong understanding causes us to make bad decisions. See what's going on here? It's a progression of understanding or not understanding who we really are. When we settle, okay, when we see ourselves as something other than what God sees us, then we tend to settle for what's right here and right now, what, not what God has in store for us. We compromise, and the word is called sin, and it separates us from God. Judas Iscariot was this kind of a guy. Oh, he walked with God, but he kept himself apart from God. You might say he went to church because he always traveled with Jesus, but he did not invest himself in Jesus and let Jesus invest himself, and therefore he died apart from Jesus. Scripture says he was totally destroyed, except the one that was totally destroyed. People are still making that kind of decision. Being broken isn't about you're not or you're worse than, anybody else. It's about, uh, worse than anybody else. It's about understanding that I am in need of help just as much as everybody else. But this Savior came for me as much as He came for the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world. He came for me as much as He came for the Billy Grahams of the world. And it doesn't matter where I find myself in the spectrum of sin. I'm a broken toy. I'm a caboose with square wheels. I'm a polka dot elephant. I'm a snowman with a clown face instead of a snowman face. I need help. Here's the crazy thing, and the last thing. The answer to being broken really is Jesus. I know that sounds way, way, way overly simplistic, but listen to me. Jesus' love forgives you from your past. He's not waiting for you to clean your act up before you come to Him. He's waiting for you to come to him so he can clean you up through the blood of Jesus Christ, which washes us as whiter than snow, which God looks through to see us is what that means. Okay? But it washes us from our past as well as the sin that we struggle through. It's Jesus' teachings that keep us from taking detours that we're never meant to go down, that sooner or later we may not be able to find our way back from before something even worse happens. But it's Jesus' promises that keep us focused on our mission on one another. We have been called to love our brothers, love our sisters, and here it comes, and love our enemies. To bless those that persecute us and pray for those that despitefully use us. To turn the other cheek, and we don't always like that. But Jesus came here to fix our brokenness. Not so we can tell God needs to fix you. It starts with Joe Wood. I look in the mirror at me. 
Paul said to the church in Corinth, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the hope for broken, broken toys, broken people. Broken people seek help. They seek help. Christmas is about healing. Christmas is about a baby born in a manger who grew up and lived in the shadow of the cross, who never doubted why he came, who knew he was not murdered. He came to give his life freely, but whose father raised him from the dead to show you and I that this world that you and I are living in is not the end of everything there comes a time when we get to see our Father in heaven. There comes a time when we're welcome home. But in the meantime, we've been called to touch the lives of people all around us. A bunch of misfit toys. Just like me. Now I want to tell you, broken people get help. Start with Jesus. But broken people sometimes need a little more help than that. It's one thing to find salvation. It's another thing to learn how to let go of your past things that you've been through. And I want to encourage you because Christmas is a tough time for some people. I don't want to take the joy out of Christmas. I just want you to know that there are times when you need to go see a trained professional. And let's get rid of the stigma of going and seeing a counselor. I see a counselor once a month. Some months I know why I'm going. Some months I don't have a clue. Okay, I just know I'm going to show up. My wife says, you'll be a better person. You're happier when you come home. <laughs> so sometimes I tell Al, I show up for her. And we process it through. I go to a place called Hope Springs in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm just putting the information up there. If you're at a place where you recognize you're a broken toy, you've been going to church for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, and you just need a little help, these people will help you. There's another organization up here locally, Mindside Behavioral Group. I just want to encourage you. They're right there on Main Street in Richmond, Kentucky. Richmond, Kentucky. It is a great place to go in and just say, please help me. Both of these organizations are filled with Christian people. I have to check a box every time I go. Is it okay to pray with you? It's like, please, please, please. Where's that box? Listen to me. Sometimes Christmas isn't easy. And some of you are sitting here going, man, I get that. Pastor Joe, I'm there. I found that salvation, that healing in Jesus. And I'm saying, yay. But you're probably going to go celebrate Christmas on the island of misfit toys. Because it's not you, is it? It's your family. It's them, Lord. Yeah. Some of you, I've heard your stories, and you're going back to tough circumstances for Christmas. And I just want you to know that we want to pray for you this morning. If you find yourself in a place where you're going to be headed to the island of misfit toys, I want to tell you as Christian people, don't sit down and be quiet. But don't use the gospel as a hammer to beat your family up. Speak the truth. The scripture says the wisdom of God is first of all gentle, then it's pure. So understand that going into your family gathering. They're broken. Start seeing them as broken. And let's all stop throwing rocks at one another. And if you need help beyond what Jesus brings to you and what your average pastor or, or friend can share with you over a cup of coffee, just stop in at the hub and we'll get you that information again. Get help. Broken people, intelligent people, successful people, get help. It starts with Jesus. These people are up here so we can pray with you. I don't know what you're going through this Christmas. I just want to encourage you 
to let them pray the kingdom of God down on your soul. To pray against the darkness that tells you you're not what you really are and calls you a chicken. When you were created to soar and eat chicken. Because that's what God has in store for you. So we're going to go into this song. Let's come to our feet. And if there's something you want prayer for, you just come up here during this song. We'll pray with you.